I'm, I'm really speaking about all of humanity, you know, without exception of anybody, you know. And I, I know that um, a lot of the content in the songs is very heavy, you know, but uh, see, fantasy is what people want, but reality is what they need. And I've just retired from the fantasy part because I realized that. Uh, And you have people and people in levels and levels of moral and spiritual and physical thinking today. And the ages people have been underestimating the ability of the He's the master of lightning, earthquake, and thunder. See, he's the creator of the forces of earth. He is the power of the Trinity, which is heat, air, and water. And we want man and men of this dispensation of time to know who Jah really is. And not to know who Jah is, but the followers of his imperial majesty, who they really are. We are not no little insignificant creatures just hurry come up the other day. Learn of something last year or ten years ago. I and I philosophy and administration is an ancient traditional way of life. See, I and I was the first Christian and will forever be. See, and don't try to create no shit thing that will distort the function of the Rastaman's moral. Yeah. 
Watch the lights flashing bright in the flashing. night sky. Flashing. Is it a bird? Lights. Is it a plane? No, it's an unidentified flying vehicle cross your sight range. I know it's slight, strange, but undeniable. Associated pressing them boys is unreliable. They like to say tsunamis and floods are caused by natural. Hop know the truth and exactly who they be lying to. They got their eye on you. Gave us an IOU. Took 40 acres, kept us quiet with a job or two. You want my contact information? I will IM you. You knew my style was so sick. Why ain't you cut a piece of ginger? I be like, why cleffin'? I be gone till November. Got a friend who live in India on the banks of the Ganges. We be meditating with them shamans from the Andes. My vision go on quest to find the real behind the mask. Grab the phoenix from the ash. Get the gold before the cash dash. I'm on the next flight to Fiji with that black sand. When nappy hair and melanin don't qualify as black now. How that sound? Or did you even hear it? You too busy taking Facebook pics to even feel it. This the realest you gon' hear it on the airways. Catch me rockin' beats and lyrics with the dopest DJ. I'm like Rihanna, baby, steady, find me on the replay. We say, why you be so extra? Ain't no wrong with lookin', actin', talkin' like the next one. Well, I'm gon' climb the tree of life so I can be like I'm in. Why you run to the club and shake your ass a little wheezy rhymin'? I'm primin' like Meridians, jewelin' just like Obsidian. Blacker than the Dravidians, call me the global citizen. Y'all know it's almost over. Ain't gon' come with saving and return. Of the Jehovah, cause Hova's name is Jay and he used to be Mr. Carter, and Carter on the border control the supply of water. Water, water, So, on my quest to learn as much about myself as possible, I found out some very awesome things. I start the self lord and master. I start the self lord and master. I start the self lord and master. I start the self self. What you don't know can surely get you got You think that cause you graduated from the latest HBCU that you know a lot Stop it, you don't understand my process I got my formal education from the Akashic Records don't do me justice, I busted off the top then When I am covering, they like to call me Moroccan Yes, I represent the crescent The stars shine the light and they showed me the lessons That's when I start the self for the mastering Levitating, let it be revealed instead of asking Laughing, they ain't gonna get me with the vaccine I got golden silver and Elderberry for the swine team Wanna chip me up like a Manchurian But I'm back to the future in my silver DeLorean Got my universal passport If they talking martial law then I'ma have to teleport Houston, we might have an issue I bust sound barriers like sneeze do a tissue Don't let them get you
my media is not defeated. Joyful exaltations and greetings to those who liberate themselves. Welcome to Woman Wednesday. I'm your host, Mariama Tanay. Blessings, greetings, and love to all within the listening ear. Tonight's theme is the law of correspondence. The law of correspondence as we delve deeper into the universal laws set out as hermetic principles. We're going to start off in the praise up as there is nothing new under the sun that the Most High has not already revealed. Starting off in Matthew 6, 5 to 6, 13. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray standing in synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father, which is in secret. And thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, Use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. Be not ye therefore unto like them, for your father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask of him. After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And Isaiah 55. Ho, every one that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, that he that hath no money, come ye, 
buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, and come unto me, hear, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader and commander to the people. Behold, thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not, and nations that knew not thee shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God, and for the Holy One of Israel, for he hath glorified thee. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found, Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. For ye shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree, and instead the briar shall come up the myrtle tree, and it shall be to the Lord for a name. For an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Colossians chapter 3. If ye thee be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above and not things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. 
For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. And the which ye also walk sometimes when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not to one another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your master's according to the flesh, and not with eye service as men pleases, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily, as the Lord, and not unto men. Knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye service the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done. And there is no respect of persons. Ephesians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, 
grace be to you, and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us into the adoption of children by Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. For wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath proposed in himself that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and the revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward, who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrote in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come and hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him 
that filleth all in all. And last but not least, Ephesians 5.17 Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. In Yeshua's name, what the will of the Lord is in your life, in your purpose, in your stand. We're going to take a music moment and come back with tonight's theme, the law of correspondence, blessings and grace. It's worthy, it's 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 come on.
Blessings and grace, and I'm back with the law of correspondence. The law of correspondence basically puts us in the driver's seat of our own lives. Our outer world is a direct reflection of our inner world. Therefore, we need to accept responsibility for our own lives. Another example of this law is the fact that in the physical world, energy, vibration, light, and motion have their corresponding principles in the universe. This explains the relationship between the world of the infinite small and the infinite large, otherwise the microcosm and the macrocosm, respectively. Now, the Kabbalion says of the principle of correspondence, as above, so below, as below, so above. This principle embodies the truth that there is always a correspondence between the laws and the phenomena of the various planes of being and life. The old hermetic axiom ran in these words, as above, so below as below, so above. And the grasping of this principle gives the means of solving many a dark paradox, the hidden secret of nature. There are planes beyond our knowing, but when we apply the principle of correspondence to them, we are able to understand much that would otherwise be unknowable to us. The principle is of universal application and manifestation on the various planes of the material, mental, and spiritual universe. It is a universal law. The ancient Hermetists considered this principle as one of the most important mental instruments by which man was able to pry aside the obstacles which hid from the view the unknown, just as a knowledge of the principles of geometry enables man to measure distant suns and their movements. So a knowledge of the principle of correspondence enables man to reason intelligently from the known to the unknown. Studying the monad, he understands the archangel. Chapter 8 of the Kabbalion, which is titled The Planes of Correspondence, states... The great second hermetic principle embodies the truth that there is a harmony agreement and correspondence between the several planes of manifestation, life, and being. This truth is a truth because all that is included in the universe emanates from the same source 
and same laws, principles, and characteristics apply to each unit or combination of units of activity. Each manifests its own phenomena upon its own plane. Now the Hermetic philosophy considers that the universe may be divided into three great classes of phenomena known as the three great planes. The great physical plane, the great mental plane, the great spiritual plane. The three great planes may be regarded as three great groups of degrees of life manifestation. A dimension, you know, is a measure in a straight line. Relating to measure, the ordinary dimensions of space are length and height, or perhaps length, breadth, height, thickness, or circumference. But there's another dimension of created things, or measure in a straight line, known to occultists and to scientists, is the much speculated about fourth dimension and is the standard used in determining the degrees or planes. The fourth dimension may be called the dimension of vibration. It is a fact well known to modern science as well as to the hermetists who have embodied the truth in their third hermetic principle that everything is in motion. Everything vibrates. Nothing is at rest. From the highest manifestation to the lowest, everything and all things vibrate. Not only do they vibrate at different rates of motion, but in different directions and in a different manner. The Hermetists subdivided each of the three great planes into seven minor planes, and each of these latter are also subdivided into seven subplanes. The great physical plane and its seven minor planes is that division of the phenomena of the universe which includes all that relates to physics or material things, forces, and manifestations. It includes all forms of that which we call matter and all forms of that which we call energy or force. But you must remember that the Hermetic philosophy does not recognize matter as a thing in itself or as having a separate existence, even in the mind of the all. The teachings are that matter is but a form of energy. That is, energy at a low rate of vibrations of a certain kind. And accordingly, the Hermetists classify matter under the head of energy and give to it three of the seven minor planes of the great physical plane. The principle of correspondence which embodies the truth, as above, so below, as below, so above, all of the seven hermetic principles are in full operation on all of the many planes, physical, mental, and spiritual. The principle of mental substance, of course, applies to all the planes, for all are held in the mind of the all. The principle of correspondence manifests in all, for there is a correspondence, harmony, an agreement between the several planes. The principle of correspondence is found in every religion and theology. There is an understanding that what we know and experience in our lives here on earth can be used to understand both the finer and smaller as well as the larger and grosser. 
This translates to every aspect of life and is more than just something to understand. It's the ability to shift one's perspective to understand and see the correlation between the outside world and the inside world as well. Upon the surface, one can see this as a gateway to understanding. In my direct experiences, here in this human body, in this natural world, tells me about this world. It may also tell me about the larger and smaller worlds too. It becomes a link in the chain of understanding. This principle has been used throughout time in scientists' quest to understand how the universe works. We use this principle all the time in science. We take data from an instrument that can register something we can perceive with our five senses, then take that information and correspond our experience to better understand both the very small as well as the very big and even the multidimensional. Understanding this principle allows one to come to all understanding and knowledge, but let those who are ready to understand hear. That understanding one has mastered one of the keys to all life. If one wishes to understand something of higher, finer, small, or grosser realms, simply apply what is known here in either direction. If one wishes insight into the nuances of one's life, look at what can be measured and observed. See the relationships and correspondences. Every answer to every question is around us, but it is not always so easily understood or accessible. One of the greatest faculties we have as human beings and the ability to protect what might happen. We can climb or descend upon the casual change of events in order to understand what might happen, what may have occurred. This same faculty allows us to imagine how larger, more complex systems and worlds may work and appear from the single point of our own experience. It is the ability to find the broken piece of pottery and extrapolate an entire civilization. It's the ability to detect water and conclude life can exist. Having now become aware of the principle of correspondence, we have to apply it to our own life and test it. Does it hold true? Is there a relationship between the events of our lives and the lives of others? Is there a relationship between what is going on in the world and what is going on in your thoughts? Are there relationships that you might rather simply be coincidence or coincidence? (laughs) The challenge and understanding and harnessing this principle in our own life is related to the principle of mentalism. Our thoughts, once mastered and consistent, will manifest instantly within the context of our experience. Look at the apparently small things in your life, patterns of any kind, that may lead to a better understanding of self. The correspondences, the correlations, are there for your benefit. The question is, are you willing to connect the dots that you're given? The limit of our ability to demonstrate depends on our ability to provide a mental equivalent of our desire. For the law of correspondences works from the belief to the thing. 
but we can provide a greater mental equivalent through the unfolding of consciousness. And this growth from within will finally lead to freedom. What we demonstrate today, tomorrow, and the next day is not as important as the tendency to which our thought is taking. If every day things are a little better, a little happier, a little more harmonious, a little more health-giving and joyous, if each day we are expressing more life, we are going in the right direction. And so we meditate daily upon the universe of the all-good, the infinite indwelling spirit, which we call God the Most High, the Father, incarnate in man, trying to sense and to feel this indwelling good as the active principle of our lives. This is what the mystics call the man of the heart or the angel of God's presence. This is why they are taught that there are always two, for there is what seems to be and what we really are. As we contact this higher principle of our own lives, which is perfect and complete, needing nothing, wanting nothing, knowing everything, being happy and satisfied, and as we daily meditate upon this indwelling God, we shall acquire a greater mental equivalent. Think, see, and feel activity, radiate life. Feel that there is that within which is the center and circumference of the universe. The key to personal happiness, freedom, and peace of mind is to change your thoughts by focusing exclusively on what it is we truly desire and by eliminating all thoughts of what we don't want. We can begin to shape, mold, and build our lives to our own specifications. Take a hard look at yourself, a seriously long, hard look. Look at your career, your relationships, your health, and your financial situation. And then start asking yourself some questions like, how are my inner thoughts and attitude causing these different situations in my life? What are my beliefs about relationships? And where did these thoughts come from? And why do I think this way? What is the root cause of these thoughts? You'll have to dig deep, real deep. But the payoff will be huge. And when you're able to finally dissolve these old limiting beliefs, you'll start to see your outer world change and reflect your new beliefs of your inner world. The next thing to do is what very few people ever do. Take full responsibility for whatever is happening in your life. Most people are more than willing to take responsibility for the good things in their life, but rarely do they want to take responsibility for the bad things in their life. So in order to break through, one needs to take responsibility for both. And last but certainly not least, visualize the world that you truly desire and focus your thoughts on this. You can do a vision board to help you visualize it and put it somewhere that you'll see these things daily to remind you and reinforce and magnetize the force of the thoughts. 
To apply this principle, we must first accept full responsibility for everything that is happening in our lives and reflect on what isn't currently working to see what patterns are affecting these. We must then go about changing them. And there are many ways to do this. You can read books that will give you knowledge to tackle the problems that we face. We can change the type of questions we ask ourselves daily into more empowering ones. We can spend time with people that will elevate our minds. We can attend powerful seminars on issues we want to change from people that are excelling in those areas. The multiple planes and realms of the material, mental, and spiritual universe, there's a correspondence. There's always a correspondence between the laws and phenomena of the various planes of being. And the laws that govern the higher spiritual realm also govern the lower material realms. We humans are many microcosms, each one corresponding to the macrocosms and the cosmos and higher and more subtle worlds of being. The principle of correspondence is very enlightening when thinking of the relations between the various layers of reality. Our existence is like an onion. The more you peel back the skin, the more layers you find. And the difference is our universe has infinite layers. The ancients believed that the macrocosm is a reflection of the microcosm and vice versa. The Bible has also said that the Most High created mankind in his own image. To solve complex paradoxes, we look at what is above and below us because what works for the planets also works for the atoms, and what works for the solar system and atomic system also works for the human system. All things have its equivalent part, physically, mentally, and spiritually, which are in harmony with another. Physical, mental, and spiritual are not separated, but flows in the same line with different degrees of existence. The thoughts and images we hold in our mind will attract their physical likeness to us in our external circumstance. This law works unceasingly for the good or the bad. By understanding this law, we can use it for our benefit instead of our detriment. Imagine what all the negative thoughts and emotions would instantly do to one's health. For most of us, it is a good thing that things don't manifest that quickly. Or we would be in a lot of trouble. The higher we go in vibration and initiation, the quicker your manifestation of your thoughts will occur. This is why the spiritual path at these higher levels has been called the straight and narrow path and is visualized like a pyramid that gets narrower as you move toward its apex. Harmony, agreement, and correspondence exists for us all and exists in us all. So don't look for it outside of yourself when all of those things are already inside. And once you discover what's inside and you reflect, 
what's out, outward bound, the correspondence will show. In Yeshua's name, we're going to take a music moment and come back with the go and gnosis. Blessings and grace. And where your feet show as the rise. 
the way that leads to salvation.
Blessings and grace. And I'm back with the go and gnosis, your news infused with consciousness. Starting off on the DailyBeast.com, Iraqi president slaps down Trump for saying U.S. troops will stay to watch Iran. Burham Saleh warned that Trump has inflamed a growing call inside Iraq to expel U.S. forces when the president said they'd stay to watch Iran and guard Israel. President Donald Trump didn't ask Iraq if he could keep troops here to watch Iran. Iraq's president said Monday, insisting in unexpectedly forthright language that Baghdad would decide if U.S. forces would stay. Burham Saleh hit back at Trump in one of Iraq's first official responses to the Americans' unilateral declaration that he'd keep U.S. troops in the country to protect Israel and keep an eye on Iran. The troops in Iraq are operating based on the agreement between the government Iraq and the United States for the specific mission of combating terrorism, Sally said on an onstage interview by the Daily Beast before an international gathering in Baghdad. Iraq's constitution does not allow our territory of our country to be used against our neighbors. Don't overburden Iraq with your own issues, Silla added. To applause from the gathering of Iraqi officials, regional diplomats, and academics at the Al-Rafidin Center for Dialogue Forum. Iran is our neighbor. We don't want to be a part of any axis, American or otherwise, he added. Silla's comments reflect the popular fury he spurred by Trump's comments on Sunday to CBS's Face the Nation, that he'd keep troops at the unbelievable and expensive military base the U.S. built in Iraq. He added it is perfectly situated for looking at all over different parts of the troubled Middle East. Rather than pulling up, the U.S. base is located within Iraq's al-Assad military base, established through an Obama-era agreement with the Iraq government to fight the Islamic State terror group. Trump added further insult by failing to meet Iraq's prime minister in person when he visited here in December instead of instead talking to him by phone. A senior administration official told the Daily Beast that the U.S. will maintain its presence in Iraq to prevent an ISIS resurgence and protect U.S. interests. A former Iraqi ambassador said Trump's comments show disrespect and disdain for Iraq and the Iraqi people channeling the mood of many in the audience. He also requested to speak anonymously to criticize the U.S. president. Iraq's new government is comprised of so many competing factions that it can't survive if it ignores the will of the Iraqi street to do America's bidding, the official said. The Iraq Defense Ministry has tried to quash local media reports that extra U.S. troops had entered the country, but those rumors have fed conspiracy theories of a new U.S. invasion. They may also have prompted the Iranian-backed popular mobilization forces to challenge a U.S. military patrol in Mosul, a standoff that was reportedly resolved without violence. And moving forward on to BusinessInsider.com, Maduro refuses Europe's ultimatum to call new elections and Venezuela and threatens a White House stained with blood if Trump intervenes. Several European Union countries last week 
demanded that the Venezuelan president, Nicolas Maduro, call new elections by Sunday amid the country's political chaos. Maduro refused to do so, telling Spanish TV on Sunday that we don't accept ultimatums from anyone. U.S. President Donald Trump, who backs Juan Waldo, Maduro's opponent, who has been recognized by several countries as Venezuela's interim president, he said he's considering sending U.S. troops to Venezuela. Maduro threatened to plunge Venezuela into a civil war if Trump goes ahead with the plan. And moving forward on ScottishLegal.com, child migrants sent to former colonies by the United Kingdom government to finally be compensated. Child migrants sent away by the UK government are to be each given 20,000 euros in compensation by the state between the 1920s and the 1970s. 130,000 children were sent to former British colonies, mainly Canada and Australia. The children, most of whom came from deprived backgrounds, often faced difficult lives of hard labor and servitude in their foster homes. Many were physically and sexually abused and were often separated from siblings. In 2010, the Prime Minister Gordon Brown apologized, saying he was sorry children were allowed to be sent at the time when they were most vulnerable. The Australian government apologized in 2009 for the cruelty shown to the child migrants. The Child Migrant Trust will accept applications from March 1, 2019 and will remain open for two years. Claims made thereafter will be considered on a case-by-case basis, a Department of Health and Social Care spokesperson said, The government is working closely with the Child Migrant Trust to develop and establish the payment scheme, and the trust will start accepting applications from March 1st, 2019. Blessings and grace to all of those migrants that were wronged by the UK government. And um, for those loved ones or ones that known of ones, let them know that the application process will begin on March 1st. 2019, to receive what compensation is being offered. Moving forward to NLIHC.org. NLIHC.org stands for the National Low-Income Housing Coalition. President Trump establishes New Opportunity and Revitalization Council, chaired by HUD Secretary Ben Carson. President Donald Trump signed an executive order On December 12th, establishing the White House Opportunity and Revitalization Council to be chaired by HUD Secretary Ben Carson. The primary purpose of the council will be to target existing federal programs to Opportunity Zones. Distressed communities where capital gains tax relief will be provided to individuals and corporations that invest in them. Opportunity zones were created by the 2017 Tax Cut and Jobs Act. Representatives from 13 federal agencies will comprise the council, which will convene by the vice chair, assistant to the president for domestic policy, Andrew Brimberg. Secretary Carson will designate a HUD officer or employee to serve as executive director. The council's expenses will be met from HUD's existing appropriation.
the council will assess actions each federal agency can take under existing authorities to focus federal programs in opportunity zones. It would also assess actions agencies can take to minimize regulatory and administrative costs. The council will regularly consult state, local, and tribal officials, as well as individuals in the private sector. Opportunity zones are designed to spur investments in distressed communities through tax benefits to investors. State governors, the mayor of District Columbia, and chief executive of five U.S. territories nominated areas to be considered opportunity zones. And the Department of Treasury designated 8,761 zones. Opportunity zones retain their designation for 10 years. So for 10 years, they hold this designation. An opportunity zone is composed of low-income census tracts that have a poverty rate of at least 20% and medium family income no greater than 80% of the area median income. A census tract that is not low income may be designated as part of a qualified opportunity zone if it is contiguous with low income tracts that make up the qualified opportunity zone and it has a medium household income that does not exceed 125% of the median income. Advocates are concerned that opportunity zones could incentivize even greater private investments in already gentrifying areas and could result in the greater displacement of low-income families. They call for rules to ensure opportunity zone investments benefit low-income households unless the Treasury Department quickly establishes Regulatory quadrilles, said the NLIHC president and the CEO, Diane Yentl, there is no guarantee that low-income people will benefit in any significant way, if at all, from opportunity zones. Now, the way that one can benefit is if the ones that left the community use their dollars to come back collectively and invest in the community as groups to take advantage of these opportunity zones because they have zoned them as opportunity for those that have eyes to see and ears to hear ones. Awake and aware ones, do you hear me? And on Inc.com, there's a great article I suggest ones to look up. It's, um, it says, here are the fastest growing jobs in all 50 states, ranked in order of what they tell you about America. So here's a full list since the top jobs are the same in several states, they're ranked by title, not by state. Solar panel installers and the fastest growing positions are in eight states, California, Hawaii, New Mexico, Florida, North Carolina, Missouri, Minnesota, and New Jersey. Statisticians, these are the fastest growing jobs in Wisconsin, Illinois, Kentucky, and Massachusetts. Wind turbine technicians, another green energy-related job, like solar panel installers. This is the fastest-growing position in Texas, Colorado, Nebraska, and Iowa, which all have wind turbine industries that are doing well. Derek Operator, hold that thought on green energy because good old-fashioned carbon fuels rank pretty high, too. 
Derrick operators were the fastest growing jobs in North Dakota and Oklahoma. Biomedical engineer. The median wage for this job, which was the fastest growing in Louisiana and Maine, was $88,040. Home health aid. This is the fastest growing job in the neighboring states of Delaware and Pennsylvania. Healthcare jobs are growing in general. Still machine operator and tender. And so in Rhode Island and Vermont. Aerospace engineer and aircraft assembler. Not the same job, but the same industry. The leading job growth in Connecticut and Alabama, respectively. The remaining 23 jobs top the list in only one state each, so it's a bit harder to gauge trends. In some cases, they seem very locally oriented, and perhaps the burgeoning film industry in Georgia has to do with why costume attendants were the fastest-growing job in that state. In Virginia, information security analysts saw the most growth, but Maryland saw the fastest growth for desk clerks. The gaming industry, the gambling industry, saw high job growth in New York, and software developers saw job growth in South Dakota. In Indiana, prostodontist, which is an area of dentistry involved in making dental prosthetics. In Tennessee, dietetic technician, South Carolina, a dredge operator, Nevada, electric equipment assembler. Idaho, exhibit designer, Wyoming, extraction worker, Alaska, farm worker and laborer, Virginia, information security analyst, Washington, mobile home installer, West Virginia, nuclear medicine technologist, Kansas, all gas mining service operator, Arizona, pattern making, a pattern maker, Montana, a purchasing manager, That's the fastest-growing field in Montana, purchasing manager. Arkansas, rail car repair. Utah, they need roofers. And Mississippi, a tool programmer. So check out this article on Inc.com. It's called, Here are the fastest-growing jobs in all 50 states, ranked in order of what they tell you about America. We're going to take a music moment and come back with technology. Blessings and grace.
blessings and grace. And I'm back with technology, starting off at engineering.dartmouth.edu. Engineers harvest heart's energy to power a life-saving device. The heart's motion is so powerful that it can recharge devices that save our lives, according to new research from Dartmouth College. Using a dime-sized invention developed by engineers at the Thayer School of Engineering at Dartmouth, the kinetic energy of the heart can be converted into electricity to power a wide range of implantable devices, according to the study funded by the National Institutes of Health. Millions of people rely on pacemakers, defibrillators, and other life-saving implantable devices powered by batteries that need to be replaced every 5 to 10 years. Those replacements require surgery, which can be costly and create the possibility of complications and infections. So they've completed the first round of animal studies with great results, which will be published soon, and they are... Um, already a lot of expressed interest from major medical technology companies. And Andrew Clausen, one of the study's authors, working with Ling Dong and an engineering PhD innovation program student at Dartmouth, is learning the business and technology transfer skills to be a cohort in moving forward with the entrepreneurial phase of this effort. So they have found a way to harness the heartbeat to charge batteries. HCANNews.com says that wearable sensors highly accurate in diagnosing children with anxiety and depression. Interesting. Children with internalizing disorders like depression and anxiety often suffer in silence, unable to find the words to communicate their distress. But a new study suggests that they might not have to find words anymore because their bodies are telling the story for them. That's the finding of new research that examined whether wearable devices could be correctly used to detect internalizing disorders in children. They want to have wearable devices correctly detect internalizing disorders in children between the ages of 3 and 8. Using an algorithm and a sensor, the system correctly identified disorders with 81% accuracy, a rate that exceeds the results of standard parent questionnaire. So they're putting the algorithm against the parent. One reason we are excited about these results is that this approach was more sensitive than other screening measures out there, meaning it was more likely to find children with depression and anxiety who are otherwise being overlooked. Co-author Ellen McGinnis, Ph.D. of the University of Vermont, told Healthcare Analytics News. Sixty-three children were enrolled in the study. Fourteen participants came from another ongoing study. Fourteen came after seeing flyers posted in their community. The majority were referred from psychiatric clinics. And so the children were then equipped with the commercially available inertial measurement unit a commercially available inertial measurement unit and asked to undertake a mood induction task, a mood induction task. The task involved being led into dimly lit room with the facilitator hinting something might be living inside the room. 
The child was then shown a draped terrarium. When the draping was removed, the child saw a fake rubber snake. After being told it was fake, the child was encouraged to touch the snake and realized that it was just a toy. Throughout the exercise, children wore sensors, which tracked movement data. The data was then analyzed using a machine learning algorithm to distinguish between children who had disorders like anxiety and depression and those who do not. Ella McGinnis said that results suggest wearable sensors can be a great screening tool, but she added the findings should be used to refer a child to a full psychological assessment that can capture a holistic view of the child and family needs and recommended appropriate treatment plans. So they have this new technology, wearable sensors, that are highly accurate in diagnosing children with anxiety and depression. And on QZ.com, AI can generate fake faces now. And here's how to spot them. AI can generate fake faces. And this article on QZ.com tells you how to spot them. So asymmetrical facial features or jewelry. So AI-generated imagery usually has um, a weird blob floating on the top of a person's head. The forehead will not look smooth, and so that's one of the clues. The teeth. Algorithms don't know the number of or the orientation of teeth. Instead of drawing on examples of teeth from all different angles, sometimes the algorithm messes up, leaving its creation with old and mangled teeth. So you want to look for the misshapen forehead, some kind of misshapen on it, as well as checking out the teeth more carefully. And strange clothing or background. Patterns have been a mystery for some people generating algorithms, which can lead to strange structures in the background of images or strange clothing on the generated subject. So especially watch out for text in the background of generated images, since it's almost always malformed. As well as clothing that looks strange. Clothing that looks strange. The pattern in the shirt may not match. One sleeve may be tank and one is a cap sleeve or long sleeve. There may be a missing earring or an earring in the wrong part of the picture. So for those that have eyes to see and ears to hear, pay close attention at what you're looking at. On Wired.com, San Francisco could be the first to ban facial recognition tech. If a local tech industry critic has its way, San Francisco could become the first city to ban its agencies from using facial recognition technology. Aaron Peskin, a member of the city's Board of Supervisors, proposed the ban Tuesday as part of a suite of rules to enhance surveillance oversight. In addition to the ban on facial recognition technology, the ordinance would require city agencies to gain the board's approval before buying new surveillance technology, putting the burden on city agencies to publicly explain why they want the tools, as well as the potential harms. It would also require an audit of any existing surveillance tech, things like gunshot detection systems, surveillance cameras, or automatic license plate readers in use by the city, 
officials would have to report annually how the technology was used, community complaints, and with whom they share the data. Those rules would follow similar ordinances passed in nearby Oakland and Santa Clara County. But with facial recognition, Peskin argues an outright ban makes more sense than regulating its use. I have yet to be persuaded that there is any beneficial use of this technology that outweighs the potential for government actors to use it for coercive and oppressive ends, he says. Facial recognition technology is increasingly common for unlocking our phones and tagging our Facebook friends, but it remains rife with potential bias, especially around identifying people of color. In the hands of government, critics like Peskin argue it enables all-too-easy access to real-time surveillance, especially given the availability of large databases of faces and names, thinks your driver's license, or LinkedIn. This is the first piece of legislation that really takes facial recognition technology as seriously as it is warranted and treats it as uniquely dangerous, said Woodrow Herzog, professor of law and computer science at Northeastern University. Privacy laws in Texas and Illinois require anyone recording biometric data, including face scans and fingerprints, to give people notice and obtain their consent. But that's not always so effective in practice, explained Herzog. As the technology grows more pervasive, simply declining to participate becomes less practical. The San Francisco proposal, while not addressing private surveillance in public spaces, takes a different tack. Moratoriums and bans prevent the technology from getting embedded in everything, Herzog says. Abuse doesn't happen at the onset. It happens when the technology becomes entrenched and dismantling it becomes unmanageable. So they are trying to be the first city, San Francisco, to ban facial recognition tech. You have to take preemptive strikes. Big up those legislators and San Francisco and pray that the ban goes forth. And on Bloomberg.com, major DNA testing company sharing genetic data with the FBI. A decision by a prominent consumer DNA testing company to share data with federal law enforcement means investigators have access to genetic information linked to hundreds of millions of people. Family Tree DNA, an early pioneer of the rapidly growing market for consumer genetic testing, confirmed late Thursday that it has granted the Federal Bureau of Investigation access to its vast trove of nearly 2 million genetic profiles. The arrangement was first reported by BuzzFeed News. Concerns about unfettered access to genetic information gathered by testing companies has swelled since April when police used a genealogy website to ensnare a suspect in the decades-old case of the Golden State Killer. But that site, GED Match, was open source, meaning police were able to upload crime scene DNA data without site permission. The latest arrangement marks the first time a commercial testing company has voluntarily given law enforcement access to user data. The move is of concern to more than just privacy-minded family tree DNA customers. One person sharing genetic information also exposes those to whom they are closely related. That's how police caught the alleged Golden State Killer. A study last year estimated that only 2% of the population needs to have DNA 
test for virtually everyone's genetic information to be represented in that data. Since the arrest of the suspected Golden State Killer, more than a dozen other suspects have been apprehended using GED Match, but doubling the amount of data law enforcement have access to, those numbers are sure to surge. The real risk is not exposure of info, but that of an innocent person could be swept up in a criminal investigation because his or her cousin has taken a DNA test, said Debbie Kennett, a British genealogist and author. On the other hand, the more people in the database and the closer the matches, the less chance there is that people will make mistakes. On digitaltrends.com, artificial superhuman skin could help burn victims and amputees feel again. Researchers had developed a new kind of sensor designed to let artificial skin sense pressure, vibrations, and even magnetic fields developed by engineers, chemists, and biologists of the University of Connecticut and the University of Toronto. The technology could help burn victims and amputees feel again through their prosthetic skin. The type of artificial skin we developed can be called an electronic skin, or e-skin, Islam Mosa, a postdoctoral fellow at UConn, told Digital Trends. It is a new group of smart wearable electronics that are flexible, stretchable, shapeable, and possess unique sensing capabilities that mimic human, human skin. To create the sensor for the artificial skin, Mosa and his team wrapped a silicone tube with a copper wire and filled the tube with an iron oxide nanoparticle fluid. As the nanoparticles move around the tube, they create an electrical current, which is picked up by the copper wire. When the tube experiences pressure, the current changes. Beyond its ability to sense environmental changes similar to human skin, the e-skin can even feel magnetic field and sound wave vibrations. The goal was to develop an artificial skin that can sense beyond human capabilities. According to Abdelzaman Ahmed, a postdoctoral fellow at the University of Toronto who worked on the project, a big motivation to develop this e-skin sensor was to extend the capabilities of this technology to superhuman abilities, he said. We proved that e-skin can alarm humans of the surrounding danger before accidents happen. We proved that e-skin can alarm humans of surrounding danger before accidents happen. The researchers think the invention will find applications in hazard prevention electronics, rescue robotics, and next-generation remote healthcare monitoring. Moving forward, the researchers will attempt to flatten the tubular prototype so that it can function more effectively as a skin layer. They'll also need to make sure that the e-skin is completely biocompatible. The current prototype costs less than $5 per sensor, according to Mosa, though the market price is expected to be higher after further research and development testing and the U.S. Food and Drug Administration's approval. The researchers have launched a company to commercialize the invention and aim to bring it to market in the next few years. So they have something called e-skin, which is an artificial superhuman skin that can feel danger and magnetic and sound waves. <laughs> okay? 
And on nature.com, forget everything you know about 3D printing. The replicator is here. Rather than building objects layer by layer, the printer creates whole structures by projecting light resin into a resin that solidifies. They nicknamed it the replicator in homage to the machines in Star Trek that can materialize virtually any inanimate object. Researchers in California have unveiled a 3D printer that creates an entire object at once rather than building it layer by layer as typical additive manufacturing devices do, bringing science fiction a step closer to reality. This is an exciting advancement to rapidly prototype fairly small and transparent parts, says Joseph Simone, a chemist at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. The device described in January 31st in Science works like a computed tomography scan, a CT scan in, in reverse, explains Hayden Taylor, an electrical engineer at the University of California, Berkeley, who was part of the team that devised the replicator. And CT machines and x-ray tube rotates around the patient, taking multiple images of the body's innards. So then a computer uses the projections to reconstruct a 3D picture. So the team realized that the process could be reversed. Overstand correspondence. The team realized that the process could be reversed. Given a computer model of a 3D object, the researchers calculated what it would look like from many different angles and then fed the resulting 2D images into an ordinary slide projector. The projector cast the images into a cylindrical container filled with acrylate, a type of synthetic resin, and as the projector, as the projector cycled through the images, which covered all 360 degrees, the container rotated by the corresponding angle. As the volume rotates, the amount of light received by any point could be independently controlled. Where the total amount exceeds a certain value, the liquid would, will become solid. This is because a chemical in the resin absorbs photons, and once it reaches a certain threshold, the acrylate undergoes polymerization, and the resin molecules link together into chains to make it solid plastic. The exposure process takes about two minutes for an object a few centimeters across. The remaining liquid is then removed, leaving behind the solid 3D object. The process is more flexible than conventional 3D printing, Taylor says. It can create objects that enclose existing ones. The resulting structures also have smoother surfaces that can be achieved with typical 3D printers, which could be helpful for manufacturing optical components. So they have made a replicator and paying homage to Star Trek. Forget everything you know about 3D printing. The replicator is here. We're going to take a music moment and come back with Urbanology. Blessings and grace.
You know I love my avocado. I'm in love with the cocoa coconut. Daylight comes, told me I go pick a bunch of green banana. Oil it in a stew. So you know I gotta add some callaloo. Eat your greens. Blessings and grace, and I'm back with Herbnology. I'll be talking about the benefits of sandalwood powder. Sandalwood powder is the dried and crushed form of sandalwood, which is a type of wood. This wood is considered sacred by different cultures around the world and is widely used in religious ceremonies of Jainism, Hinduism, Buddhism, Chinese, and Japanese traditions. Aside from its religious significance, sandalwood extract and sandalwood paste is widely used for natural healing treatments. Sandalwood powder is produced when a stick of sandalwood, a yellow and highly fragrant wood, is ground down into powder. Once you have the completely dried powder, many people choose to make a paste with this powder by mixing it with a small amount of water and occasionally including other spices such as saffron to increase its potency. The most common usages of this powder and paste relate directly to skin health and it's packed with santalol, which is an active ingredient in this wood and is a powerful ingredient. Most importantly, anecdotal and formal research has shown that sandalwood has antiseptic, anti-inflammatory, astringent, and disinfectant qualities, thereby making it an ideal solution for many skin conditions. The best sandalwood powder benefits for your skin include its ability to moisturize, exfoliate, heal, as well as lighten parts of your skin that has hyperpigmentation. It prevents acne. The antiseptic, exfoliating, and antibacterial qualities of sandalwood powder and paste make it an ideal solution if you regularly struggle with pimples and acne. The rough texture of this powder can help clear out dirt and grime from your pores, while the antiseptic compounds clear out bacterial infections or stubborn sebum that causes inflammation and breakouts. It has anti-aging properties. There are a number of antioxidant properties in sandalwood powder, allowing it to reduce oxidative stress in the skin, relieving the appearance of wrinkles and age spots, while also boosting elasticity and making you look younger. It treats sunburn. Following a long day out in the sun, your skin will be feeling pretty tender. But applying some sandalwood powder to the area of inflammation can soothe the discomfort, speed the healing process, moisturize the skin, and prevent excess skin peeling, which can leave scars behind. It moisturizes the skin. If dry skin is something you're constantly wrestling with, sandalwood powder can install its oils directly into the skin, making it more receptive to moisture and less likely to crack in the sun or wind. And it also exfoliates. Perhaps the most common use of sandalwood powder, the minute gritty nature of this powder, will help to scrub any dirt and grime from your pores, allowing your skin to breathe, while also clearing out ideal spots for bacterial infections to hide. It speeds up healing. The antiseptic and anti-inflammatory properties of this powder not only speeds the healing process for wounds, 
burns or scars, but also protect that area from potential infections while the healing is taking place. So it speeds up healing, it exfoliates, it moisturizes the skin, treats sunburn, it has anti-aging properties, and also prevents um, acne. So sandalwood, not only does it smell good, it does good. And it's from the nature of the Most High. We're going to take a music moment and come back with the metaphysics of the moment. Blessings and grace.
Fingers and pretending we're victims of our imagination who kill and spill on. Like my favorite apple juice, there's a dark spot right there in your heart. That peace has connection to the universe, and as humans, will we start? Start. It is time you open up that metaphysical grave that had been dug for you, the part of you, the spark that lays buried. That is what's going to open you up. That's what's going to give you the ability to escape. Escape your metaphysical mind. Blessings and grace. And I'm back with the metaphysics of the moment. Starting off with Isaiah. Isaiah is a Hebrew word that means Jehovah is salvation. Help of Jah. Jehovah succors. Deliverance of Jehovah. Welfare of Jah prosperity of Jehovah. Son of Amos, he was a prophet during the reign of Hezekiah, king of Judah. 2 Kings 19.20 and 2 Kings 20 and the book of Isaiah. Metaphysically, Isaiah is the higher self. Jehovah is salvation that is in us which discerns the reality, the real character of spiritual man and fearlessly proclaims it. Spiritual understanding. After the dominating physical strength has lost its hold on the organism, the higher self begins the purification of the body. Isaiah also signifies understanding of the truth, that deliverance, abundant supply, spirituality, and all other forms of good come to man through Jehovah, the Christ, his higher self, or spiritual I am. And Aristarius. Aristarius is Greek for best ruling, the best ruler, best leader, supreme being, the first principle. A Christian man from Thessalonica, a city in Macedonia. He was a companion of Paul's, 
on missionary journeys and was Paul's fellow prisoner at Rome in Acts 19.29 and Colossians 4.10. Metaphysically, Aristarchus means spiritual power, authority, and soul fervor, the very Christ of God or divine mind itself, the best ruler, the best leader, supreme being, the first principle, which must accompany the word of truth in its redeeming work throughout the body in order to make the word operative in consciousness. And the word ma'ai. Ma'ai is Hebrew for belly, bowels, womb, the inmost part of a thing, heart, affection, mercy, Jah is compassionate, an Israelite of the sons of the priests, one of the musicians who assisted at the dedication of the rebuilt wall of Jerusalem in Nehemiah 12.36. Metaphysically, Ma'ah bespeaks the tender mercy and compassion of Jehovah. Jah is compassionate and merciful, the Christ of father mind expressing in man. The bowels, the belly, are closely associated with the idea of compassion and mercy. In 1 John 3.17, in Colossians 3.12, in the authorized or King James Version, we read bowels of compassion and bowels of mercy, cruelty of some kind, or else weak, negative, human sympathy, is at the back of bowel troubles. Those who through affirmations of truth and willingness to do the will of the Most High God, fill themselves with strong, true, tender Christ compassion, mercy, and love for all persons and all creatures, including themselves. And Colossae. Colossae is Greek for punishment, correction, discipline, instruction, penalty. A city of Phygra in Asia Minor, the epistle of Paul to the Colossians was written to the Christian assembly at this place. Colossae was destroyed by an earthquake around 65 AD during the reign of Nero and was rebuilt. Now metaphysically, Colossae is an aggregation of, th of thoughts in man's consciousness that pertains to the activity of the law of sowing and reaping as set forth in Galatians 6-7. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth unto his own flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth unto the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap eternal life. As the Christ thought and the Christ Spirit are introduced more fully into the state of consciousness, the individual recognize more of the corrective and instructive side of seeming punishments, which are the results of error. By his holding to the good, seeming error falls away and he becomes established in good only. And the Hebrew word shobai, shobai means taking captive, captivating, returning, returning of Jah, Jah is glorious. His descendants were among the porters in the temple. Levites who returned from the Babylonian captivity with Zerubbabel in Ezra 2.42. Metaphysically, Shobai is a guarding thought activity, 
a porter or doorkeeper in the temple. A guarding thought activity, that being lifted to a higher understanding and realization of spirit. Jah is glorious, returning of Jah, and sees the wonderful possibilities of the individual or causes the individual to see his wonderful possibilities through his indwelling Christ's mind. Thus freedom is brought about by one's refusing to give further place or expression to the error. The limited ideas that have heretofore held one to bondage, taking captive. That which so by signifies reminds one of the words in Ephesians 4.8. When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Even so, when we lift up the Christ in ourselves, we obtain power and dominion to restrain, take captive, and cast out of our life limited ideas and conditions, casting down imaginations and every high thing that is exalted against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into the captivity, the obedience of Christ. 2 Corinthians 10.5 and Demetrius. Demetrius is Greek for belonging to Demeter. Metaphysically, Demetrius is the material thoughts make a material body. Spiritual thoughts make a spiritual body. All thoughts and ideas embody themselves according to their character. If you find yourself using a body in which the material prevails, you are safe in assuming that somewhere in your consciousness are material beliefs upon which its manufacture is based, and that this manufacture is being carried forward day by day. Your body, in the form, shape, and general character of its visibility, represents your beliefs about substance. Man can idealize the divine substance, idea in any way that he wishes, and according to his thought, of it his body will manifest. In order to build a spiritual body, He must spiritualize his thoughts and beliefs that continually have been manufacturing a material body. This process of spiritualization begins and is carried forward in the mind through the introduction of true ideas about God and man. Paul preached the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ at Ephesus until material ideas that were there making material images began to lose their hold. The master craftsman or chief thought is Demetrius, the silversmith. Out of substance, he and his fellow craftsmen have been making material images of Diana, the goddess of vitality. Demetrius was materializing the pure ideal and was spreading broadcast little images made of bronze and silver. In the stomach, the food undergoes one of the most wonderful processes that occurs in the chemistry of bodybuilding. Some metaphysicians say that every cell that passes from this center to the circulation bears the exact image of the whole body. It is a picture of the body in miniature. Here we find Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen making images that build the body of flesh. Some new and higher ideals are beginning to prevail there. The mind has become saturated with the thought of more substantial and more permanent body. 
the resurrection of Yeshua, the I am from this death of matter is being proclaimed and it stirs up these makers of matter. You cannot change established states of thought without some commotion. This commotion is called chemicalization. It is not uncommon for the metaphysician to have a riot in his stomach after a denial of matter and a powerful affirmation of the purity and the permanency of spirit. Sometimes this confusion is so great with beginners that they think themselves seriously ill when the trouble is merely a riot of little workers who are posing a change of ideas. This turmoil continues until poise is gained. Until poise is gained in the Alexander thought, symbolical of the word power and mastery. But the battle of spirit against matter is not one without effort. After Alexander began to talk to the people in an effort to enlighten and quiet them, the craftsmen, with one voice about the space of two hours, cried out, Great is Diana of the Ephesians, an appeal to the law of justice and the right relation of things in the body. Politic restores harmony and gains a point that will have lasting effect in establishing a new and greater vitality in every part of the organism. And trophimus. Trophimus means feeding, nourishing, instructing, fostering, educating, a foster child, nursing, anxious, and tender care. It's Greek. A Christian of Asia who accompanied Paul to Jerusalem and worked with him in the ministry in Acts 24. He was an Ephesian and at the temple in Jerusalem caused trouble for Paul in that the Jews thought that Paul defiled the temple by bringing Greeks into it to worship. Acts 21:29. And in 2 Timothy 4:20, Paul writes that he left Trophimus at Miletus sick. Metaphysically, Trophimus is a thought of expression of desire in individual consciousness, desire which often becomes recognized only by the outer, carnal phase of man's consciousness as it seeks expression in sense ways. Especially is this the case in those who have not been really awakened to spiritual understanding. It's believed by one's old established and formerly religious ideas not to be spiritual and therefore to have no place in one's being. But desire in man is fundamentally spiritual. It is the foundation quality of all growth and unfoldment. And when it expresses in the higher spiritual understanding, it is fed and supported by true spiritual life and substance. This is the significance of Trophimus, feeding, nourishing, instructing, fostering, nursing, and tender care. And Ephesus. Ephesus is Greek for desirable, appealing, a city in Asia Minor and capital of Iona. Acts 20.17 and Revelations 2.1, Ephesus was at one time a center of learning, also of commerce. It was noted for its wonderful temple that was built for worship of the goddess Diana. Metaphysically, Ephesus is the central building faculty in the consciousness called desire. In its physical aspect, Ephesus symbolizes the stomach. 
In its mental aspect, it symbolizes the ganglionic center at the pit of the stomach, which controls and directs all organs pertaining to digestion and assimilation. Philosophers like Darwin and Spencer say that desire is the root of all bodybuilding. They claim that desire draws together the few protoplasmic cells that make the stomach of the most primitive life forms. Desire is but another name for constructive thought. The desire is the center from which goes forth the, the impetus that makes the form. The cells that build the form are moved up by ideas, hence the character of the form is determined by the prevailing ideas back of it. Ephesus was given up to idolatry, superstition, and general materialism, so we find in ungenerate man that the Ephesus center is given over to physical and sense ideas and must be raised, and must be raised to the spiritual by the impregnating power of the word. Hence, Paul spent three years preaching the gospel in Ephesus in harmony, harmony, divine harmony, perfect accord with the goodness, the beauty, and the righteousness of the omnipresent spirit. Everything is governed by fixed law, and harmony is its expression. This is illustrated by the living body, which is a sensitive instrument, Responsive to the touch of the master I am. Divine harmony is lost when the will is centered in the external and loses sight of the ideal. It breaks the connection between spirit and manifestation. And thus man loses the harmony that is his under divine law. And how to restore divine harmony, it's done through a knowledge of the truth of being man is restored to the divine harmony. He must know the truth about himself and and conform to it in all his thinking and must not be misled by appearances. And the metaphysical meaning of lion Lion is mentioned in Revelations 5.5. Metaphysically, it's courage, fearlessness, initiativeness, life. We must have the courage to enter fearlessly into the overcoming life and into the understanding of things. But courage alone will not do. We must have reverence of spiritual things, a devotional attitude in order to receive spiritual inspiration. The phrase, the tribe of Judah, bespeaks this reverential nature and attitude. Yeshua purified his substance and his life and lifted them up until his life became a pure stream of divine life to cleanse us. The fifth chapter of Revelation reveals the full inner meaning of the atonement of Yeshua's redeeming work on earth. If we understand it fully, we shall understand the inner working of the divine principle and its redeeming work in our whole being. The real spiritual life in race consciousness can has been disregarded, put out of substance. So this Lamb of God, the original pure life and substance, appears to be slain insofar as the animal consciousness of man is concerned. But to our awakened and illumined thoughts, activities, and faculties, it is the lion that is of the tribe of Judah, 
a source of new life and substance, which we continually worship, praise, and love until we realize this new, all-conquering life more and more fully and perfectively. The root of David has reference to the love quality in its original purity. This is needed also. We must become rooted in love. Rooted in love. We're going to take a music moment. Blessings and grace.
Blessings and grace. I'd like to thank you for joining me for another offering of Women's Wednesday. I'd like to show love to the frequency that accompanies me, the music. Tall Black Guy, featuring Yousef Rumperfield, Come With Me and Fly. Andy Compton, featuring Anderson Olinder, DJ Tune Dedication. Sunra Godspell, Billy Egypt, Wonder. Tech Lun, Sometimes, All That Jazz. Sister Awa, Roots and Culture, F. Soul, Greens, Courtney, Nebula, Chris One Two, featuring Georgia and Muldrow, Oh No, and El Desensei, Mr. Zebra, featuring Sisai, Liberation, LaBelle, What Can I Do For You, Ayata Safari, Fighting for Liberty, Let You, Just a Peace, Beanfield, featuring Bajaka, Tides, Quentin Harris Mix, Christine Miller, Narrow is the Gate, U4, Shine Like the Sun, Patti LaBelle, His Eye is on the Sparrow, Iman Europe, The Devil Be Trying Me, Chevelle Franklin, Magnify His Name, The Whitefield Brothers featuring Bochka, Earthology, Sarak, Seven Circuits, and John Nine featuring Peter Tosh, Mr. Preacher Man. Remember that you are water. Cry, cleanse, flow. Remember that you are fire. Burn, tame, ignite. Remember that you are air. Be still. Focus. Decide. Remember that you are earth. Ground, build, give. Blessings, grace, love, and strength to all.
Da, da, da.